doing the gatha of atonement, we might wonder and reflect on this harming. Certainly, most of us in here, I shouldn't say that way, all of us in here, most of the time, do not intend to do harming. In fact, we could say most people, much of the time, do not intend to do harming, which therefore also reflects on us being harmed. Now, harming is one way of translating the original word, which sometimes is also translated into evil or evil karma. All evil karma ever committed by me. For various reasons, I don't think that that is as useful for us because of our connections and ideas about evil and karma and confusions about those. But harming is... What, what is this harming? Where does harming come from? Especially since, as I said, most of us do not intend most of the time, most of us meaning not just us in here, but us humans, most of the time do not intend to harm others, do not intend to harm ourselves. And yet, somehow this occurs. Somehow, Harming occurs. In a way, we could say harming is the simple consequence of I want, I don't want, I like, I don't like. Out of that comes frustration, disappointment. Out of holding to that comes suffering, harming. When we say that in the practice principles, caught in self-centered dream, holding to self-centered thought. That's I want, I don't want. I like, I don't like. I need to have. I ought to. Or as Dogen says in his own language, when the self advances and confirms to the 10,000 things. That's 
delusion that's where harming arises and this non-harming or not doing evil is considered the first of the pure precepts and yet in itself there is the opportunity to transform that from the I want looking outward and trying to make something, someone into something else is the being right as this is being the 10,000 things universe this moment universe confirming self being this experiencing even this experiencing of frustration disappointment even this experiencing of having harmed or having been harmed. That's this acknowledging being at one. This, in a sense, reveals the wisdom of this present moment universe that is our life. and allows us to reveal ourself as this present moment universe prajna, wisdom, functioning of this moment, this prajna karuna, prajna compassion, This is the reason we have the opportunity in atoning to work with and transform this wanting, not wanting, and all the sequelae of that, all the consequences for self and other of that into being manifesting this universe moment where wanting arises and passes but doesn't become the cudgel with which we bang on self and others with suffering and harming which means we must be willing to be the experiencing of the moment, including the experiencing of frustration, the experiencing of, you might say, pain and suffering when those arise. The willingness 
to experience whatever arises, whether it's so-called what we want or so-called what we don't want. Because that's the entranceway into our life. But that means being willing to be what we're afraid of, be what we fear will make us vulnerable. And the alternative to that is, as we discover, harming and being harmed. Because we can engage in volleys of harming, being harmed, harming, being harmed with other beings so easily when we and they volley this I want, I don't want, and all the other variations. That's just a shorthand, so don't get stuck on want, don't want. All sorts of other ways that we articulate that, whether we say it or simply notice it and act on it, whether we get caught in it. That's why in a way, even if it so-called comes from someone else, we have the opportunity in the moment to not volley it back to them, not bounce it back to them. What we do grows out of our being experiencing out of being this moment, out of allowing this moment wisdom that is the whole universe, that is our life right now, out of our zazeni. And that requires us to, to be willing to notice this arising of I want, I don't want, and all the other variations on that. I am, I am not, I shouldn't, I should. All those variations. So even though we don't, quote, want to harm, Somehow, it trails along when we hold on to likes, dislikes, wanting, not wanting. Should have these feelings, shouldn't have these feelings, they should. In observing these desires arising, we're able to clarify and not be at the effect of them. Not be at the effect of, I'm going to make it better if I get that. That's why I want it. She's going to be better if she does this because I know how it needs to be. 
if I only accomplish whatever, then no more problems will be. That's the opportunity to see this, to, in a sense, turn from the habit to the experiencing. Turn to the experiencing of the other's volley and not return it that gives us the opportunity of manifesting the prajna that we are. That gives us the opportunity to be Avalokiteshvara, doing, being deep prajna, revealing the emptiness of this conditioned moment, revealing this universe prajna, sharing it with all that we meet in the various encounters. Unfortunately, habits arise. That's the beginningless greed, anger, ignorance, confusion, dualism. These habits arise almost of themselves. And it, you could say, goes against these seemingly natural everything that we want to do, that we're inclined to do, to not continue that volley. But not continuing that volley is the exact solution, if I say it in that way, the exact entranceway into the peace, the non-harming, this true nature that we are, not we as me personally, but we as we, all that you encounter, all the Buddhas you encounter, whether they know such Buddhaness or not, they are this Buddha Prajna. So that's why we take care of not only so-called our harming, but take care of all the harming of others that we've been part of. The harming by others of us. In fact, if we think of it, this weekend is Memorial Day weekend, and in a way, the memorial we need to manifest is a memorial for all beings that have been harmed in the hate and violence that humans and pre-humans and all other beings impose on one another. See, there's a nice koan which once upon a time I talked about, about building a seamless monument, a seamless memorial 
That's our prajna practice. Manifesting this seamless memorial for this I want, I don't want, I am. That's what we do with this atonement, this gatha. And we do it moment, moment, over and over. That enables us, that nurtures us to be the joy that we, that nurtures being the joy that this whole we, all the we's that we encounter are, not something else that we need to get from somewhere else. Not something to add to, in a sense, blind us to this Jauraku Gajo that we say in Enmejuku Kanongyo, eternal joy, this Prajna wisdom that we are. So, though certainly most of the time we have no intention of harming, somehow these beginningless habits arise. And unless we make our practice of acknowledging and atoning with them as they arise, they lead to harm. They lead to harm with our actions, with our speaking, and even with our thought, meaning all forms of mental life, all forms of physical function, all forms of speaking, not speaking. So you all have been sitting for a period of time. We've been doing the Gatha of Atonement in Seshim. It's good to do it from time to time in our life. If we had a longer service in the morning on Saturdays or Sundays, depending upon where you are, it would be good to even do it as the start of service. But since since we do an abbreviated service, you'll have to do it for yourself. But it's important valuable to know that when we discover I want, I don't want, I like, I don't like, that exactly is the opportunity to enter where we always are, this prajna life. And the way to enter it is by, in a sense, opening the hand of I want to 
being this moment, to being right this experience, including what we don't want, whether we call it disappointment, frustration, not liking, or all the other ways that we add on and miss this life. So I'll stop now, and if we have something to explore further with this, we can do that. If you need to change your positions or postures, please do that. Yes. I happened to recently be thinking about the seamless monument, and so you mentioned it. Uh-huh. Um, hey, could you speak up, please? Uh, yeah, I, it just so happened that I happened to be thinking about a seamless monument. Uh, something there was a reason, but I, I don't need to go into that. But I, you know, how do you build a seamless monument? Uh, Zen master said, "Right, make, make me a seamless." Somebody wanted to give yes. it to him, and he said, "Make me a seamless monument." Yes. I so since you mentioned it, I thought, well, I would. That's, that's, <laughs> I, as I was thinking about it, I, was like, I still don't really. What is that? What is it? How do you do that? What it, is that? It's a case in the Blue Cliff Records. I've talked about it uh, in the past. I, it might even be somewhere in a newsletter or a book. Actually, if I remember correctly, I talked about it at Heidi, when we were sitting at Heidi's house a long time ago. Um, so, but that's a good, a good question. You could look at the case, and then maybe one day we could explore it. But that's a good question. What is this seamless monument that is our life? How do we manifest this, I'll use the word again, prajna wisdom life that is this seamless monument. Seamless meaning not caught up in dualistic, if I explain in such a way. That's just a little explanation. And in a way, it I shouldn't say it, but I say it anyway just because that's what harming comes out of, living out of this dualistic life, living out of this life where we're stuck on certain aspects, stuck on what we want and what we don't want. That's exactly what Avalokiteshvara is addressing, allowing us to see the consequences, or as we say in the practice principles, see the consequences of holding to self-centered thought, self-centered dreaming. Even if we could uh, cease holding to self-centered dreaming, uh, it seems to me like uh, we would still create 
being harmed simply because of the... Bruce, could you talk, speak up, please? Yeah. I, I don't want to take issue really with anything that you said, but it's, it, I'm just wondering um, that even if we were completely realized beings, uh, even if we could stop self-clinging, um, still we're only human. We can only understand the consequences of our actions to a very limited extent, and sometimes, I mean, I, I'm obviously not realized, but I've, you know, sometimes I've been, seen, felt like I intended good from the bottom of my heart, and it turned out bad because I didn't understand yeah. what, what the various consequences would be. So we atone. We... That's the opportunity to take care of it right now. And the more we are at one, I'll say, the more times we will discover all the ways we do hold on to agendas. I want, I don't want. We just take care of right now. It's not to try to be perfect. It's this beginningless greed, anger, ignorance that arises in the process of being human. It arises as a result, if I say, of cause and effect of our life. And its arising is nothing but the wisdom opportunity of our life to, in a sense, shift from the I want to experiencing, to shift from I don't want to the experiencing of this moment and seeing what there is to do as opposed to running from being frustrated, not liking what happened in the universe at this moment. You know, you shared with me that you had a problem missing a plane. So how do we shift in that frustration, disappointment of missing it, and yet not turn that into a harming moment, whether in terms of our own suffering or that of others, and at the same time not run away with it from it in, a, in some sort of fantasy, but actually be the experiencing, because cause and effect is ongoing change that isn't going to be the way, quote, we want. And in only in being the way it is do we have the opportunity to not do harm. Or, if I say it another way, to minimize harm. To atone, apologize, which is taking care of the harm as it is right now. Yeah. If we hold on to it, then then it just volleys back and forth in all sorts of ways, whether in in our life or in the life of others. Um, I like the word minimize. Yeah. <clears throat> and also, when you we we say greed, anger, and ignorance, in the greed and anger, we can 
try to eliminate, but to a certain extent, ignorance is not, is beyond our. Well, ignorance is one way of, of translating the original word. Sometimes it's dual uh, delusion. Sometimes it's dualism, dualistic delusion, believing a sense the uh, universe of self and other that are separate. There's self and there's other and there's self and other not separate even though it's all self or all other and yet. That's the ignorance. Ignorance of what the nature of reality is. Ignorance of what I cited from, from the Avatamsaka Sutra where the Buddha says all beings are the wisdom and perfection the prajna and karuna whatever way you want to say it of the Tathagata the thus come the Buddha the awakened life all of us are that are the manifestation of that and yet we also have the capacity because of greed because of fear, because of anger, because of confusions, we have the capacity to make troubles with I want, I don't want, I like, I don't want, like, I shouldn't, I should, if only, and all the other variations on those. You don't have to take any of the words that I use. Find your own forms that you use of those if you do. And most of us have versions of that that we go to in our life in circumstances that we encounter and we see the consequences. If you don't see any consequences, if I'm all so to speak, I'm all wet and none of this describes your life fine. If it does, then please make use of what of it is helpful and if none of it is helpful don't worry about it the It'll disappear in the air as soon as I speak it and then you don't have to remember any of it or hold on to any of it. And, you know. Yes, Lisa? So is it the experiencing of, of it, the fear, the greed, the ignorance or whatever in the moment that transforms that energy? You, you can say that. You can say that's the as we use the term in Zen, the gateless gate into the present moment because that's the opportunity not to be caught by it, not to be entangled in it, not to act it out, whether it's so-called internally or externally. That doesn't mean it doesn't arise again and again, so to speak. But that's our opportunity in experiencing, if I say it that way in being just this moment, in giving ourselves away to the universe so that the universe gives us this moment life. So that has something to do with observing as well, right? You can say that's step one, or that's part A of, and then part B is in a sense opening it up in, into as this universe, as this universe, so-called inside, so-called outside, so-called self, so-called others. Yeah. That's 
Avalokiteshvara Bodhisattva in being prajna reveals the emptiness of all the five conditions of suffering, of old age, of sickness, of all the conditions, including those that we don't want and don't like. So, when we, what should I say, dissolve I don't want into the emptiness of I don't want, then what do we have? That is the opportunity for a resolution to follow that. But we we discover that or don't discover that in our life practice, in doing it. Not My words are only encouragements for our practicing with this. They're not important words to, to remember. They're encouragements, hopefully, to be able to see and do what's called for, to see and do to the extent that we do. If we don't, that's fine. Yes, Antonia. So in seeing and doing what is called for, I want to simplify the language a little bit. Um, Is that what you meant by observing? And then when you said, don't volley back. Yes. Like, make, observe and let it go in you. Don't volley back. You, yes, that's one way of saying it. I mean, certainly, I mean, if you if you don't find you ever volley back, that's wonderful. But some of us might find that some of the time we do volley back, especially with those close to us. They say, we say, we do, they do, or not. And the volley back often happens in my own mind. Yes. I make the conversation, I make the... Harming happened and I volley back in my own mind where nothing is really going on but my thinking. And suffering. Yes. See, we suffer from the from the volleying and we and we replay them. Long long before there were even VCRs we, we were capable of replaying. Of course, VCRs are an ancient non existent form any longer from but long before that was possible, long before there were Digital replays, we were capable of replaying and editing and distorting our replays even more. So we we could create more trouble with that. So don't bubbly back. (laughs) Well, it just reminds me of saying not knowing. I mean, I really love the saying, I know. (laughs) I know. (laughs) And... uh, Thank you for saying it can all go on your mind, too, because, uh, and thank you for saying people you're closest to, because uh, my husband and I have been (laughs) having this war, it seems. I, you know, in some sense, I, you know, I've, (laughs) I've become so, we've become so critical of each other, and it's a really bad habit, and there's mm-hmm. a lot of harm, and I'm hoping just hearing what everyone's saying, I can not know, because yeah. I really jump in and start 
pulling out the swords. And, uh, you know, I don't know where it comes from. We've been building a sunroom, and it's been very stressful in some ways, very wonderful in other ways. But uh, being on edge and thinking we know and ready to strike back has really been a something that hasn't always been in our relationship, and I think it would be good to stop, stop that. Yeah. But uh, there's so many ways to think you know. I mean, they're just like, I don't know, what do they call it in Tibetan Buddhism? These maras or something <laughs> that come in and, um, you know, not knowing. It's really a hard place to be. And it's as you said, it's the habits that seem to arise of themselves, of whether you call them greed, anger, or other variations or confusion. There, there's a cause and effect that it arises in certain circumstances. And we can't do anything about what's going to arise. But as it arises, as Lisa said, that's the opportunity to notice at some point what has arisen for us, whether it's arisen internally or it's arisen out of our mouth already before we had a chance to notice. Or it's arisen because I remember what I said five minutes ago or five days ago. And I said, how could I have said that? And yet that occurs. And then that's the opportunity to, in a sense, break the chain for a moment. Stop the cause and effect chain from building further. It doesn't mean it doesn't arise again. That's why, in a sense, we can practice, we can atone over and over. That's why we do it every day in Sashin. can't do much harming, and yet every morning I, I, we begin with a tongue. There's a value to it, but it's up to us to make use, to, to begin to be sensitive to when I want or I don't want, or he shouldn't, or he should, or she could only, or all sorts of other... Again, you know the, the forms that are appropriate in your life. So don't get stuck in the few limited forms that I've mentioned. And, you know, I, I'm repeating just a few, but those are just a few. It's how we do it, which is where, so to speak, the rubber meets the road. That's our opportunity. That's when we enter the, you know, the playing field of volleying it back and forth. Or, how do we be when someone else shoots it towards us, so that we don't return it in a way that's harmful? Which means that we have to experience what we don't want to experience. Them saying doing, not doing, forgetting to do, all sorts of things. 
someone is supposed to call and they, for some reason, they don't. And five minutes, five hours, five days go by. Each time that comes up for us is an opportunity to see and practice with it or to generate suffering, harming with thoughts, words, all sorts of opportunities that arise in the process of being human. But it's up to us to remember that these are practice opportunities or to have the consequence. And there's never never an end of opportunities and never anything that's too late to take care of. Because right now you can take care of your whole universe moment. Yes, it seems like a lot of the strategies uh-huh. are in a way kind of band-aids on the, ba- the basic assumption of self and other. Once, once you do that, you've harmed already. And then we're just trying to somehow, uh, what's the word, mitigate the harm that yes. started with believing self and other, which seems like such a natural assumption, just natural. That it starts the ball rolling, and sometimes we then we have to sort of always react to that assumption and, and the consequences of that assumption. But that's why it's always our initial, as you say, mitigation is only a part A to then take us right into this fundamental practice of being, entering this gateless gate, entering this, if you want to say, non-dual prajna life that we are. It's Otherwise, you're right, it's just band-aids that are fine, but they don't take care of that's how. That's why our practice is always our Zen, always being just this moment, always manifesting the universe that manifests us, that manifests prajna wisdom, just as we are, just as it is. See, from the beginning, we're nothing but this Buddha's life, our opportunity is not to have to do something special to be this. It's to be the prajna that we are. To be this that we are. And we don't have to do anything extra. None of this is needed except that we somehow seem to have harming and suffering. Then that's our reminder, our poker that reminds us there's a practice effort needed. But you're 100% right. In this non-harming universe, no one can be harmed and no one does harming. No need for any of this. No need for my useless talk. No need for even our useless practice. You're putting words in my mouth. No, I said it. True. Fundamentally, this there is no need for practice. 
But until that fundamental is so for us, there's great need for practice. Fundamentally, all is realized just as it is. All is nothing but the manifestation of the Tathagata. All, isn't that what we say in some form in Bodhisattva's vow? All is the never-failing manifestation of the mysterious truth of this awakened life. Whatever form you say it. Except just saying it and not living it means it's not so for us. If we get caught in, I want you to do that, and if you don't do that, you know what's going to happen, then you know it's not so for us. Despite the fact that it's not anything else. Somehow we cause harm and suffering if we are caught up in that. Somehow, in a faultless universe, we create faults. So, our opportunity is to start with the Band-Aid and use the Band-Aid to go further. Sometimes people will come to you for a Band-Aid and you can give them the Band-Aid and then encourage them to, if if I say it this way, deal with something a little more underlying that's caused the wound that the Band-Aid is for. Or not. Forget about someone else. Sometimes we can do it for ourselves. But of course, when we do it for ourselves, we do it for everyone we encounter. Because everyone we encounter is just our own Buddha face and the opportunity to be this moment. Yes? What do we do? How do we handle the current political situation? I know you you probably want to touch that at all. Um, But it's it's on my mind, and I'm sure it's on a lot of people's minds. Beware of hatred. Beware of assumptions. Be aware, be aware of what you are doing. Then see what's skillful to do. How do we handle seeing that thousands and thousands of people are being killed in Syria every day? That there's crematoriums showing up. How do we handle that? How do we handle, you could go on, all sorts of. How do we handle the... Uh, genocidal camps in, throughout Tibet. What do we do there? This, this is why I said that today or tomorrow or this weekend is Memorial Day. It's not just for a small group. It's for the endless harming that people do to each other in all sorts of forms. Whether it's hatred in local levels, in national and in international, in peaceful times or in war times. What you devote your energy to, that's yours. But, notice if you get caught up in greed, hatred, fear, in your ways of working with it, then you're just volleying back in the same, more of the same and creating more harming and suffering. 
So, I mean, I don't want to uh, belabor a point, but we do volley. Even if we think we're, we're the right party and they're the wrong party, so we have to volley back to them because we have to show them that they were wrong. Sometimes, most of the time, we don't do it in such a skillful way. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you find you do it skillfully, then great, then, then be the volleyer. But, <laughs> but if, it, if it comes back to you, and if there's more harm and suffering, or more, I got it right, I'm the right one, I'm winning, <laughs> then, then that's more of I want and I don't want. <laughs> You know, I got in my knocks with him or her, and especially in personal, personal uh, volleys. You know, we, if you try to top, or are concerned about you were topped, or vice versa, or all sorts of things, then you know, well, you know, there's something to look at here. Just, just to look at. The, you know, if I'm, if you, if there isn't anything, great. You know, but it reminds me. I'm, I have a friend at work who's conservative, mm-hmm. and so you know somebody for a long time. You can't know what they're going to come up with based on today's news or something that happened. And I find myself in the train practicing my report. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're I, already I'm, preparing. I'm preparing and. and it's unnerving. Most of the time, I'm not wrong about what he's going to come and bring up about uh-huh. what the Democrats have done, and I, I have to. I just, I just don't. It's just really difficult for me not to have a retort. <laughs> he probably practices for your retorts too, because <laughs> if he, you know him, he probably knows you. Yes. <laughs> well, you could play that game. Yeah. And it's fine if you play it as a game. Yeah. But, as I suggested to you with sports, <laughs> try being on the other side for a few days. Let him do the Democrats and you do the Republicans, or let him do the Packers and you do the Bears, or whatever sport you want to play with him. And just be willing to play both sides. Or... For a while, if you have something with a child, you play the child for a while and let the child speak for, for, for the parent. Because your children know you as well as you know them, or your partner. Try for a while saying, let's, or do it just in your mind. I'm going to speak for my partner, and then I'll let my partner speak for me. And let's see what, what happens there. And just, just notice First, notice the attachment to different ways and what happens with that. I, you know, I think, I, I know you told me it, it really doesn't count because I don't, I'm not enough of a sports fan, but I think I, I've seen with people who are sports fans and watching sports that trying to, to do the other team, first, it's so hard for them to do it. I, you know, I say for one quarter of, of the football game, root for whoever. Or one, one, one quarter of the basketball game, 
And it's so hard. Right there you, you see something. So, root for whoever you want. You know, Joko used to love to root for certain uh, tennis players. And she loved to watch tennis. I mean, that was, was you know, all as long as I knew her, which means I knew her from 76 on, she always, always found time to watch tennis. Even, except in Sashin. Well, except in Sashin, as far as I knew, but <laughs> even, you know, at, at ZCLA, when, when we were living there, she, you know, was always, was to have fine time to watch some of the tennis games. And then when she went to San Diego, and of course before then, and, you know, her some of her family members were play tennis, and all the rest of that. And she had her favorites. And when some of her favorites lost, she sometimes says, you know, i got to get a hold of them. And if I got a hold of them and te- taught them, then they'd... Not that I would ta- ta- teach them how to play tennis, but taught them in terms of practice. Now, I know nothing about tennis. Despite the years of sitting with her and watching it, I know nothing about tennis. And I, I, however... You know, I think that's applicable in all sorts of ways. Some of some of you might know one one of I don't remember which tennis player it was. It was someone, a Dutch tennis player, who was having an interview, and um, he was asked about what what had influenced him, and he picked up her book and said, or he said her book, Joko Beck's book, da 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 da, and all of a sudden, in in, in uh, for, for a period of time after that, that the book sold a lot in, in, in Holland and in Europe. This was on TV. I, I, I don't remember his name. Nadal? No, I don't know. Who, who's a, a Dutch ten, tennis? No one here knows tennis. Okay, anyway, um, this happened in probably the 90s, 80s or 90s. I don't remember. Wasn't there a book, The Interior Game of Tennis? I don't know anything about that. But this, this, Joko didn't write... Joko wrote the books that you know, Everyday Zen. This was Everyday Zen, I'm pretty sure, that, that he, he talked about. Um, on This was a national and obviously international interview because we saw it in America. I thought uh, it was Andre Agassi. Could be. I, I don't remember. I, I heard that story. That's yeah, I, I, I remember seeing it with her, but I don't remember who, and I know not, as I said, I'm not a I'm not a sports I'm not big on sports and I don't know much about tennis. Um, so but so yes. Yeah, it seems what's underlying a lot of this is this need for power. Need um, for power. Or um, whether it's a couple or uh, nations at war political parties but I think our no one wants to be powerless uh, well no one wants to uh, uh, face the fact that in one sense we are powerless in the sense that we don't control the universe things happen so called to us so called in us we live in a world so if you want to look at it from that perspective I want, often has an assumptions, 
I want to have even something as simple as I want this ice cream because that shows that when I have a desire for something, I have the power to fulfill that desire and that I therefore should fulfill that desire. So maybe we could interpret it that way. But I think there's, there's desires and our attachment to not feeling frustration and disappointment is more fundamental, though it's a different facet. So for some people, power might be what it's about and everything else gets interpreted in, in those terms. Fine. There's many lenses to look at it. The point is what we do with that looking and noticing it. If, if for you it's about power, fine. Then notice how what it is to experience powerlessness with when your partner says something or does something or doesn't do what you want them to do. What is experiencing the powerlessness when they don't show up when they're supposed to, or they forget an appointment and you go there and they're not there, or you could, or you come home and they've gotten rid of all the stuff that you've worked so hard to put together and instead changed it. You know, I'm just picking a few examples that some people have encountered. Um, you know, some of us encounter these things, um, and when we encounter the universe, especially the universe of people who are close to us, doing all sorts of things, how do we embrace that, this universe moment, including this universe moment of frustration, of not getting what we want, of being this ongoing change of sickness, old age, death, not getting what we want is a, just a little piece of that same thing. Because none of us want to get old. None of us want to get sick. None of us want to be weak and not be able to do certain things. But sooner or later, some of that happens to all of us. None of us, I should say, most of us don't want to die. And yet, sooner or later, we will face that. And none of us want those that we love to die. Yet, that's powerlessness, isn't it? And you see how many people put energy into trying to do something about that. And grieving is perfectly natural. Not wanting those you love to die is perfectly natural. Not wanting them to be sick is perfectly natural. Doing what you can. And... How do we grieve and yet embrace this grieving as this present moment wisdom universe? I think I've spoken too much. So, thank you all. I hope this has been helpful and I hope it assists your ongoing practice and manifesting of this wisdom that is your life.